Welcome to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio. This podcast delivers insights on medical device packaging from regulatory affairs, process management, as well as discussions on the latest in sterile device packaging technologies. Each episode, our host, Charlie Webb, speaks with global experts to bring the most relevant information to our esteemed listeners. As sterile packaging compliance becomes increasingly more challenging, it is vital to avoid information gaps that could risk your medical device packaging program. Avoid package failure risks and build your skill set from your colleagues' experience and from insights from sterile device packaging subject matter experts. You're listening to Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, Spot Radio. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Charlie Webb, and we're here to talk about medical device manufacturing and, of course, medical device packaging. Well, if you were uh, listening in our last episode, you know we were chatting with Isan Muckberry from Tech. We were talking about torque sensing, force sensing for medical devices. And we're going to pick up that conversation because it was such a big discussion. We didn't want to cut him off. So we decided to expand this into two episodes. So here we are on part two. So what I'm going to do is just jump right in where we left off last time. From the technologists that I work with, they're looking at, you know, nano has long been in our lexicon, nanoparticles, nanomachines. And surgical devices obviously have to get into tight spots and sensing their environment, of course, is is vital. One of the challenges that we see from the discussions I've had from technologists who are working in the front of trying to get devices that have high technology and still maintain, we're talking about third-party reimbursement and dynamics and medical device packaging and, I'm sorry, medical devices. So it's challenging for us when everything has to be reimbursed. So you can put all sorts of amazing tech on top of a device that goes well beyond its role as an efficacious device to serve that particular surgical case. But unfortunately, you, you can't get reimbursed for it. So the challenge by technologists is to be able to get affordability of these things. You know, we don't have these open-ended sort of budgets like a NASA These are small, oftentimes, device uh, companies, startups, or they're a wing of a bigger company with a very capitated budget. And so they're looking for ways to be able to put in some of this. I developed microsurgical scalpels in my early days in my career. And so in those days, we didn't have a lot to pull from our toolkit. We only had to work with a certain metallurgy and plastic materials that we could work with to build our product up. But now there's all sorts of other parts in that palette that we can pull into to be able to create a surgical device. But the challenge that we're having right now is that sustainability aside, disposables are still king in our industry. So to be able to get something that is very, very small, this nano sensor, and also have it costed out to where we may potentially be able to roll it into the case to be able to potentially dispose of that device because of a lot of the layered issues in the SPD department at hospitals. Is there a thought for costing in our sort of cost critical industry on some of your devices? I mean, are those folded into your plan when you're in new development of products as well? Definitely. So in the medical space, so basically everything is calculated based on cost per procedure. So if it's a one-time use, so basically it's an easy equation. So your denominator is just one. And then when you can design it to be reused, you know, that's how it benefits all the stakeholders in the process. We do have a white paper on our website actually talks about it that all the stakeholders from patient hospital and uh, the medical space 
and the insurance company, the people paying for it, and you know all of these stakeholders, how they benefit from it. If you design this autoclavable sensor that can help to bring the cost per procedure lower, so basically it becomes much more affordable, and then more sophisticated technology can be incorporated into these medical tools. By doing that, patient benefits from it firsthand because that means faster recovery. Nowadays, you see, bottom line, what is the biggest advantage of minimally invasive surgery? Sometimes it takes, it costs a little bit more or sometimes it even takes a little longer compared to a traditional surgery. But the biggest benefit is faster recovery for the patient. So the patient, instead of being in a hospital, now that's good for the patient at the first hand, but also for the hospital means higher throughput because if the patient going through a traditional surgery, staying in a hospital for 10 days versus going through minimally invasive surgery, going home by end of a day or mm. at max is staying at night and going home tomorrow. But imagine get an empty capacity. So you're maximizing that opportunity at the hospital and the throughput, it multiplies by a factor of five or 10. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine if someone would have, so if you had an open heart surgery back then that requires a patient be at the hospital for several days and today they do heart valve replacement within days. You know, it's pretty, it's, it's, they have done it for so many years now. It's something that is like going to dealership and changing your tires. You know, it's becoming, <laughs> it's a really sophisticated procedure, but because it's been practiced and widely adapted in the industry, now it's becoming something in the medical industry that, hey, okay, this can be done in a day or two and you have a new heart valve. Or same thing with the cataract surgery. I remember when I was a kid, and cataract was something, basically someone losing vision, you know, like 30 years ago. And today, it's just a matter of a really quick procedure and you get your vision back. That means just how to go through that procedure. Our type of technology is using those capital equipments that can give force feedback. Because imagine in a cataract surgery, they need to have a cup that comes and it sucks the eyeball. And it just holds it in place so they can do the procedure. And the tools could go inside and perform the procedure. And then doing that is really critical to have force feedback because if you're overpressuring something, the eyeball could explode. And if you're underpressuring, you're not holding it in place. Same type of procedure is done for angioplasty and when they want to unclog artery, for, which is quite common procedure. They have force feedback on a pumping system that injects saline to the body through your basically sometimes it's through the side of your thigh they insert the catheter and then that's how they unclog the pipeline when they're injecting that liquid inside if it's over pressured and you know if you don't monitor that pressure someone's artery or basically heart going to explode and you know and if it's under pressure it's not going to unclog the pipeline it doesn't do the job so that's why this type of eye procedure to a heart procedure heart transplant or not a transplant a valve replacement to surgical robotic and minimally invasive you see each one of them it's a different front but each one of them heavily relies on sensing technology mm-hmm. how to provide feedback and usually the the problem is 
when you buy a computer, you always see, I mean, maybe on older computers, you see it says Intel inside. It's been always branded that there is an Intel processor inside. So that's the brain. But on the capital equipment, you don't see our brand on the face of the capital equipment of what's the sensor inside. But we are one of the most critical components inside, even though the patient won't see our sensor or won't really feel what our sensor does. But imagine it provides that closed-loop feedback to the capital equipment that is super critical to the procedure that, you know, giving that feedback to the machine. Mm. And then I can literally go to a hospital and I can point out every different department and every different equipment and explain how we, how our technology applies in this type of equipment from different departments in like a x-ray department that you know heart sensors are used inside to control the center of gravity or sometimes the motions of the robotic arms on this equipment to blood infusion how our type of technology is used to monitor as this blood is circulating and now they process plasma or they process different things on the blood to delivery systems how they monitor and regulate all of the drug delivery system to compounding process, like for example, different pharmaceutical recipes, when they have several different liquids that they're trying to make a compound per recipe for a specific patient, how every drop matters and you need to have a high precision to make sure all of these things adding up correctly and giving the right feedback to the machine. To even the nowadays, the whole vaccine is a hot topic, you know, that going through this as a society we're going through this whole COVID situation manufacturing and scaling to get billions of vaccines out the door that requires a heavy automation and how our technology is used in the dispensing and bottling and capping of all of those vaccines today mm-hmm. and, you know and it's a totally different application but every dose is basically measured and the, how it's dispensed inside the bottle and all of that is utilizing our type of technology. So I know a lot of our medical device technologists' heads are spinning right now thinking of the possibilities with sensors. Before I let you go, can you maybe tell us how do we connect with an application engineer and how can we get rolling if you're a medical device company and you'd like to explore one of your force sensing solutions? Uh, where do we start over there? The beauty of it is we always try to utilize latest, greatest technology. We are a factory, but basically we we support from one piece application. We support that to, if you want to buy 100,000 sensors, we support that as well. So the factory, basically the traditional way of going through distributors and wholesalers, all of those ideas are shelved. Today, you reach out directly to the factory, futech at futech.com. That's the easiest way to reach out. And over the website, we made it really easy to inquire about any product. If you don't really need extensive information, all you need is just raise a hand, put a phone number or email address that I need help. And our team with utilizing the technology today, we are video calling and, you know, consulting you anywhere in the world. And, you know, if it's a program, we need to be in front of you. Nowadays, within 48 hours, we are sitting in front of you if there's an OEM program that needs to be discussed in detail. So we try to utilize that technology. We are always praised by our customers that it's really easy to transact with our company. So it's not a high, really tough corporate process going through 
really hectic process to buy things. You know, we set ourselves up. We had website back in 1995. So I imagine a time many of the big Fortune 500 companies had website, mm-hmm. and we had e-commerce since 2006. Even today, some people in our industry are still working to get their e-commerce up and running. Mm. We've, we had it for more than 15 years. Yeah. And the biggest part of it is because we understood how important it is to get your hands on a sensor to do prototyping and rapid prototyping. We have heavily invested and put more than several thousand sensors off the shelf. And we committed ourselves to make them available. So basically, you place an order with us by the end of the day in East Coast time, like 3 p.m. East Coast time, you still can get it on your table by overnight delivery the next day. So obviously it depends on the complexity of the parts. You know, if it requires integration or calib- specific type of calibration, it might take a little bit longer. But when people buy components, especially automation companies, when they want to buy components and replace things, it's quite easy to get parts out of the door immediately. And that's where we invested because instead of just relying on rep channels, give us feedback and give us forecasts and following those traditional systems, we had ERP system in place for more than 15 years. And we have built the intelligence into our system to predict what is needed in the market. So for example, during the COVID time, a lot of public companies, they pulled the brakes, you know, and they stopped manufacturing. We did quite opposite. We actually stocked up and we increased our availability. And today that everyone struggling with supply chain issues, we actually have almost no problem in that front supplying to our customers. Very cool. Yeah, I'd love your company. We, it's interesting you said uh, back in 95, I think when Vanderstahl Scientific, we were on line also in 95. We're the, one of the first medical packaging companies to actually have an image on our website. So we go way back as well. And, you know, think you guys have done such a great job for us. And I know you're also an ISO 1345 and a 17025 like us. In fact, there's a list of all of your accreditations. If you go take a peek at your your website. And you guys have always supported our calibrations for our equipment in our laboratory. And as I said, you're one of the most important pieces now that we use is the sort of business end of our calibration for doing force testing a huge part of the pathway for IQ for medical device manufacturers to be able to do their packaging validation. So thank you all for that. Well, Asan, thanks so much for joining me today. Such great information, such a cool company. I love you guys over there. You've done such a terrific job and I can't wait to see all the cool stuff. In fact, I'm working with you right now on another sensor that we're working on. So uh, happily, I continue to have a relationship with you. So thanks again, Asan, for hanging out with me today and telling me all the cool stuff your company does. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. And as you just mentioned at the end, that ISA 1345, that risk control, risk mitigation, source control is critical. So we probably make everything in the United States. Why is it, I always tell people, why is it an American product, German product? If there's 200 countries out there, why these countries make better product? It's simple. It's the art of metrology. It's basically having this, relying on science to design, validate, and manufacture mm. per spec. So your product number one versus 10,000 versus 10 million, it follows the same process. And that's why an American product is still number one in the world. Mm, thank you for saying that. True. Well, son, this has been such a great discussion. A big one, too. 
In fact, so big that we've had to cover this over two separate podcast episodes. A uh, lot to talk about with force and torque sensing. And it's amazing. Congratulations on all the ways that you serve industry, from aerospace to medical device development. So much cool stuff over there. And listeners, I encourage you to take a peek at their website. It's just foodtech.com. Beautiful site, by the way. Uh, scan through there and see all of the um, products that Foodtech offers and the ways that they've served various industries. Asan, once again, thanks for hanging out with me today. It has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Charlie, and stay safe. Well, medical device manufacturers and medical device packaging experts, once again, thanks for hanging out with me on another episode of Sterile Packaging on Track Radio, Spot Radio. Look forward to having you back next time. This podcast is made possible by Vanderstahl Scientific. Executive producer, Lisa Wasper. Director of Media Service, Hector Garcia. Audio engineering and editing by Joel and our friends at East Coast Studios. And this is Jonathan Lockwood saying thanks for your support, medical device manufacturers. See you next time on Spot Radio. Spot Radio.